Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 16th episode, the Charles Leclerc episode, and I'm here ahead of my favorite weekend of the year, the British Grand Prix. It feels like an eternity since I've recorded an episode after a weekend without any F1, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get right into the Silverstone preview. It's lights out and away we go! So as I said, the British Grand Prix, my favorite weekend of the year. Why is that? Well, there's a few reasons. Silverstone is just, it's a racer's racetrack. It's amazing for wheel-to-wheel racing. It always produces exciting races. It works very well with the modern F1 car. And, I mean, it's also my favorite track to drive on the F1 game. Silverstone is just beautiful. It's also, let's be honest, the sport is kind of British biased. Sky Sports F1 is the main, um, I guess, broadcaster to um, cover the uh, uh, the weekend. Wow, that was so hard to think about for some reason. Um, so the weekend always has a bit of glamour to it for sure. Um, crazy things always happen in Silverstone as well. I mean, all the late punctures in 2020, uh, Leclerc versus Verstappen in 2019, and many others um, throughout the years. It's also an historic track. There's been tons and tons of races at Silverstone. So there's plenty of reasons to love the British Grand Prix. Um, in 2021, last year, it was probably one of the most memorable weekends of the year for a certain reason, um, but it also played host to the first sprint weekend in F1 history. And like I said, for a certain reason, it's hardly remembered for that sprint weekend because of a certain 51G crash that took place on the opening lap, and it is still debated about to this day on Twitter and other social media platforms. I'm not going to get into it because... I don't need to be making enemies already. Um, That year, Hamilton qualified fastest after a number of consecutive Red Bull victories in Monaco, Azerbaijan, uh, Austria, and France. Um, Five in a row because there was two rounds in Austria, Max winning four of those. Um, And it was Max who took the win on Saturday in the sprint uh, to grab pole position for the race, a rule that has changed for this year. Now, if you qualify fastest in the sprint qualifying, you get the pole position statistically, where last year, for winning the sprint, Max got the pole position statistically. So, yeah, after that incident in the race that I'm refusing to get into, Hamilton received a 10-second stop-and-go penalty for that, and when he rejoined the race, and I believe it was P5, it was clear he was on a different level to everyone else on the track. He passed Charles Leclerc on the penultimate lap for his eighth win on home soil. Um, I think that is tied for the most wins at a certain track, because I think Hamilton also has eight at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And um, I think Michael Schumacher might have eight wins in France. There might be another one too. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is just Lewis with the Hungar ring and Silverstone. I don't know, but eight wins on a track is wild it doesn't matter if you've raced there 20 times to win win there eight times is is pretty special um this time i'm not sure hamilton's going to be able to pull off a win uh there's also no sprint this time and neither ferrari nor red bull employs a driver who has won around silverstone so there's a very good chance that we see a first time winner in britain uh signs to claire verstappen perez they've never won in silverstone 
and that's largely due to the fact that Vettel is the only non-Mercedes to win here like the last nine times uh, we've raced in Britain. I think Vettel and Rosberg each picked up one win. Hamilton won the rest. So a first-time winner in Silverstone is a decent prospect. But will we see a first-time winner? Like I said, it's not likely Lewis Hamilton is going to pick up the best result of the season for Mercedes. Their best They haven't even been able to manage second place on the podium. Um, but if you remember last week's episode, there's a new technical directive, and that was announced prior to the Canadian Grand Prix, but it didn't come into effect until this week's race. And there was a bit of drama revolving around this, and I don't know the full details, but based on reports that I've read, it's safe to say that Red Bull and Ferrari are both not happy with Mercedes for kind of helping push the technical directive through, um, always being the loudest team. I mean, they are Mercedes too, so it's not like even if Williams was complaining more about it, no disrespect to Williams, but they're not going to get the same coverage Mercedes would. But Mercedes was definitely the loudest in complaining about the porpoising. And um, they not only were able to get that technical directive pushed through, but they had an upgrade prepared for it almost immediately. They're bringing a new floor stay to the British Grand Prix. Kind of, I think they were ahead of the game on that one because they knew the technical directive might come with all their pushing for it. So that is what made Christian Horner, Red Bull team principal, so upset. He went as far as to say that the FIA are overtly biased towards Mercedes. I mean, that's not really that shocking coming from him, is it? I mean, this is Christian Horner. We... Anyone who followed last season is fully aware of, you know, all the all the BS that happened in the media with a lot a lot of the times from Horner, but from Wolf too. Um, and it happens all the time in F1. It just seems that Horner gets on Sky Sports every week. It's kind of almost a running joke now that it's just every every race they're talking to Christian. He's always got something something to say. That's why he's a drive to survive star. Um, and there was also, speaking of Drive to Survive, actually, it, this is a perfect segue into that. Apparently, there was a team principal meeting in Canada, and Toto Wolf, the team principal of Mercedes, and Christian were reportedly in a heated argument uh, during a team principal's meeting. And it was about that rule change, and I guess other principals or team principals agreed with Christian, and they're mostly, most people aren't, aren't, ups, aren't happy with Mercedes right now. Um, but I, I do think that Mercedes still has a far way to go. If they do indeed find pace over the front runners, and even if they close the gap, I, I, I really don't think that they're going to be passing Ferrari and Red Bull by any means just because of one technical directive. But even if they find some pace over the front runners and close the gap, there might be some major drama in the paddock because it does kind of look a little odd that their upgrade immediately, like, or because of the technical directive, their upgrade immediately reflects in their pace. That would be a bit odd. Um, but yeah, like I said, do I think that will be the case that they really make this big jump? No, not really. I mean, initially, when everyone saw the technical directive, everyone thought it backfired on Mercedes and it, it actually is hurt, going to hurt their pace because they have been kind of in like Ferrari where people, this is kind of all speculation because we don't really have all the data that um, the teams would have about their own performance, but it seems that Ferrari deals with the porpoising to get the most performance out of their car. 
and so does Mercedes. Mercedes knows that if they raise the ride height and try not to porpoise, then that might be an issue for them. It's kind of the same for Ferrari, and that's what made Ferrari so upset. So that is that is just speculation, and it is it is an odd conversation to have now because there's also reports saying that Mercedes isn't even porpoising anymore. They just have a poor ride. They've actually solved the porpoising. It's like the aerodynamics aspect of it. Now it's just like their suspension. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly, I am a Formula One geek. I'm not exactly a, a, a car geek. So it's hard for me to get into the mechanical aspects when I don't, I don't want to just start spewing stuff that I'm not 100% sure about. So I, I don't want to do that to you guys. But anyway, back to back to Mercedes and, and their pace. I think that they could have their strongest weekend of the year on pure pace. We've seen that a traditional track like Barcelona and then not exactly traditional Canada, but it is a hybrid. That's That's been their best weekends so far. I mean, Silverstone is definitely a traditional track, um, but I don't think the silver sandbaggers have been downplaying the gap to the top. It is a very large gap, especially in qualifying. Even if with, with that step forward, the qualifying pace has just been nowhere near where it needs to be. And... Red Bull and Ferrari, I think, will easily out-qualify them for, for the rest of the year. Like, I, there's still lots to come, but I don't think it's, with the cost cap, you know, they can't afford to just keep upgrading. So, unless there's somehow a massive revelation um, this weekend, I just, I, there's no way they're qualifying anywhere close to them the rest of the season. On a race pace, though, we saw that it, it can look really close at times between Mercedes and the top two teams. But when the wind is in touching distance and, you know, low fuel and time to light up the, the timing screens, the W13 just doesn't have what it takes to keep up. We saw that in Canada. Lewis was on basically the same um, life of tires as Sainz and Verstappen ahead. He kind of held on a little bit for a while, but then the, the, the Ferrari and the Red Bull were just able to keep going and going and going. And I just don't think that the W13 had it in him. So, yeah, I, that's where I'll leave that. So let's just get into my, my British GP predictions. Um, I'm going to say that there's going to be a front row of Leclerc and Verstappen. And probably with, I'm going to say Leclerc takes pole, and Verstappen is going to take the lead into turn one and will outrace Leclerc to the checkered flag. I think it's going to be another great battle from them, similar to what they showed us in 2019. And I'll put Perez in P3 to round out the podium. Um, but my bold prediction is that both Mercedes will finish ahead of Carlos Sainz. And that Lewis Hamilton will overtake him on the track. So I'm basically saying that Mercedes... Or I'm basically saying that I don't think Sainz is going to have a great weekend. I think Mercedes is going to take a small step. A step big enough to, for them to be able to overtake a Ferrari like they did in Spain. But I don't think it's going to be good enough to challenge for the podium still. So that is kind of where my bold prediction is going with that. And that also does mean that George takes uh, P5. I'll say that Lewis finishes ahead of George too and uh, keeps his consistency streak alive. So those are my predictions. Um, and like, <laughs> like I said, it's been a while since we've uh, had a non-racing weekend. So... That means that we're back to the silly season segment. So let's do that. So, 
since the last silly season, we've had a pretty big announcement regarding the 2023 grid. Uh, it was announced recently that Pierre Gasly is staying at AlphaTauri. The French driver has been rumored for a multitude of seats for years now, and once again continues his tenure with the Red Bull Academy with the Red Bull sister team. Since he's been let go of Red Bull, the main team back in 2019, Gasly um, has yet to progress, and he's been one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, like Looking at his results compared to his teammate, always getting the most out of that AlphaTauri, Everyone wants to see him in a new seat to see what he can do, and he just continues to say at Alphatari. I'm not saying it's his fault or even if it's fully his decision. Maybe there's no interest. I don't know. I'm not in the paddock <laughs> hearing these things, right? So, um, But it's it's been talked about forever. Gasly has to make the move. Why would he stay? And he continues to say, so I feel like there definitely is a bit on a bit of um, – like, Gasly likes where he is at AlphaTauri. Like, I feel like he's kind of accepting it. He he knows that he's he's been able to win a race with AlphaTauri. He's been on the podium a few times. I think he probably wants more, but if the fit isn't right, it's just not worth it. I feel like that might be where he's coming from. And maybe, you know, maybe he is holding out for a chance to go back to Red Bull. I don't know. I, I would find that odd. But... The, the main thing that I think I take away from this is that I think this announcement really just kills the whole buzz for the driver market this season. Again, I, this time I, I don't think I'm overreacting. I, I think I was definitely overreacting about Max winning the championship in Canada last week. But this I don't think is an overreaction because I strongly believe that Hamilton, Alonso, and Vettel will all be back next year. And if they stay in the sport, it's very possible that nothing changes on the grid for next year. I don't know when the last time that's happened or if it's ever happened. Um, the only person that is really in the running for a seat right now is Oscar Piastri. And it's just a matter of what seat. So Oscar Piastri is who we will be talking about today. And barring a crazy announcement over the next few weeks, because we have another doubleheader coming up, my final silly season, this segment's already going to be over. Um, and we're going to do it in between Austria and France because we got another doubleheader coming up after that. Um, so it's going to be Britain and Austria, and then there's France and France and Hungary. Fran no, maybe it's, I think it's France and Hungary. Anyway, there's going to be another doubleheader. So in between the two doubleheaders um, coming up, I'm going to do my final silly season segment unless there is a crazy announcement saying that Vettel, Alonso, and Hamilton are stepping away from the sport. And I don't think it'll come that soon, even if it does come. And I don't even think it's going to come. So anyway, that silly season is almost over, guys. And we're not even really close to the midseason break. So, you know, things can definitely happen. But I'm not optimistic about the, the crazy silly season that I thought we might get. Um, I just I think those three are staying put. So, yeah, assuming that they stay put, the 2022 or sorry, 2023 grid is already looking somewhat full. There's no room at the top teams. Uh, Hamilton, Russell, Verstappen, Perez, uh, Leclerc, Sainz. Those three teams are they're locked up. We can assume Esteban Ocon is staying with Alpine. Fernando Alonso's coming back. Um, Joe is having a pretty decent rookie season next to Bottas. China's joining the the calendar next year. I would be 
shocked to see Joe leave after. I mean, he's he's really like all the rookies last year were worse than what Joe's been able to do this year. So I would be shocked to see him leave. Bottas is obviously going to stay with Alfa Romeo. Stroll's not going anywhere unless his dad sells the team and Vettel is. A, we're assuming he's coming back. Uh, Sonoda, he won't be getting booted from AlphaTauri. I mean, he's made pretty good improvements this season. I don't think there's a Red Bull Jr. that has shown that he definitely deserves it over Yuki Sonoda. And I guess this is a I'll, – I'll just stop in the middle there, and I guess this is a good time to just quickly mention that with the Red Bull Jr. talk, that Red Bull Jr. Yuri Vips, who actually had an FP1 drive uh, in Sergio Perez's RB18 in Spain – He's been suspended from all team duties in the Red Bull Junior Academy for using a racial slur on a gaming stream. So I don't think he'll be in F1 next year, and it's it's definitely a shame because, you know, he's just he's on a stream with his friends, but you, you got to watch what you're saying, especially on stream. You know, that's that's no joke. So um, he, he might have thrown away his career there. He is only suspended. It's not like he's been completely terminated, but... I, I don't feel bad for him because it is pretty silly to do something like that and it's not really acceptable but at the same time to lose your entire dream over a word is is pretty unfortunate as well so I'm I definitely I don't feel bad for him but at the same time it is just it's a really sh- it's a <laughs> it's an awful scenario so anyway back to the 2023 grid um, McLaren they technically have Daniel Ricardo under contract. Um, and even though we have discussed his seat on silly season because it was just it was just buzzing at the time. I wanted to get in some talk about Daniel Ricardo when everyone was talking about it seemingly everywhere. So that seat has been in question, but I think now with what Zach Brown has come out and said and kind of Daniel did have a better race at, directly afterwards, he beat Lando in Azerbaijan. So I think I think it's likely that he at least fills the contract with McLaren and then maybe we, we see him leave. So I think he'll be back with the team. So that really only leaves Williams and Haas. And the seats that could be available are the only two drivers who have yet to score a point this season. That's Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi. And of these two teams, I have to say Williams seems the more likely uh, helped by the fact Piastri has already been rumored to get Latifi's seat. There's been quite a lot of buzz regarding that. I think Alpine has already met with Williams to discuss what could possibly happen. So they've they've kind of gone that route quite a bit. And I guess before I get into this a bit more, for those who aren't familiar with Oscar Piastri, he's an Australian reserve driver for Alpine. He's been signed to their junior driver academy since 2020. He's 21 years of age. Uh, was arguably robbed of an F1 seat this year after winning F3 and F2 in consecutive years, a feat that only he has been able to accomplish since F2 and F3 have coexisted. He's been compared to the likes of Charles Leclerc and George Russell. I'm assuming you've heard of them. They're they're pretty solid F1 drivers. Um, And the reason for that is because they basically did what Piastri did. It just had different names. And the feeder series have changed uh, a lot. So... Leclerc and Russell won GP3 and then F2, which is it's almost the same as F3. So basically, Piastri is a very, very high-level prospect. 
And since Alpine is the only team with no engine customers in F1, there is no obvious answer as to who they should approach for a deal to let their young star in the making drive for. Um, they have allowed him to reserve for McLaren, but he never got the chance when Daniel Ricciardo was cleared to race in Bahrain. I think when I discussed Latifi's seat a while ago, I mentioned that Piastri could have had that opportunity. It actually might have been bad for his career because we all know how poor the McLaren was in Bahrain with their brake issues and all their other problems that they had that weekend. That might have been a bad look for Piastri. But anyway, the options have become pretty bleak for Alpine to find uh, their young star a drive because they, they're not going to kick a two-time champion like Alonso to the curb. And Ocon's a Frenchman who won a race with them last season. And, you know, he's actually having a great year. So to just kick him out of his contract would just would be silly as well. I think Ocon has improved a lot since he joined Formula One. He had that year off when he lost his seat to Stroll. I think Ocon has come a long way, and I, I don't see why they would get rid of him either. So it kind of became clear that Williams had to be the team. Uh, Latifi's struggles this season have been pretty eye-opening. Uh, they're the furthest team from a competitor to Alpine. I think Williams clearly has the slowest car on the grid, so it had to be them. It would be very odd, though, for Williams to sport a lineup of Piastri and Albon. Like, to be honest, like they're both young and very talented. It would be a great lineup on paper, but they have direct ties to other teams in F1 and can take off at any point and leave Williams completely empty-handed. That's another thing I mentioned uh, in the Latifi seat, silly season, is that I thought Nick DeVries might be the more um, the more interesting option or the the more um, it, just the better option. I don't know why I can't think of the word um, because he actually ha- might have some loyalty to Williams, where Piastri might be there for one season, Alonso retires, and then he's like, "See ya, I'm going to Alpine," and. Maybe Williams could use the constructors' points for one season, but then you're going to have to find a new driver anyway. And maybe Logan Sargent will be ready for that because I really want to see him in F1. But anyway, Latifi is running out of time to claim that he is worthy of staying in the sport. You know, it's one of the most exclusive sports in the world with only 20 seats. There's always going to be unproven talent waiting in the wings to snatch your seat. Latifi's 26 years old. He's not shown enough improvement to convince me that another young driver couldn't match him. I mean, we don't have all the data, but Nick DeVries matched Latifi in free practice in Barcelona. I don't think that was necessarily a great look for Latifi, at least to the public, because we only get to see the leaderboards and what tire that they were on. Um, And I did mention Haas, and I didn't really get into them because I think they're probably going to stick with Mick for another season. Um, even if he finishes the entire season with no points, I think they might give him one more crack at it because this is basically his rookie year. I mean, he was driving a boat last year. So even if, even if they got rid of Mick Schumacher, it's, they're still not going to bring in Piastri because surely it'll be a Ferrari junior in that seat. So there's just no way they're going to bring him on from Alpine when they have like a Teo Percher that could step in or possibly even sign Felipe Drogovic. Who knows? I just really don't think that they would bring in Piastri because he eventually could compete with Ferrari, where at Williams, you have nothing to worry about in that scenario. So 
Anyway, I think there's a very good chance that Piastri will be in Williams next year. So I do think that he is probably going to be the only driver on a new team next season. So basically, this driver market season isn't looking very silly after all. Maybe I jinx that. I don't know. But anyways, before I wrap up, I want to thank everyone who has listened to each episode so, uh, so far. It means the world to me. You know, I have friends in Canada and other places in the world, too, who have encouraged me with their kind words. And um, I know people have said that I do a great job and like things like that. So all, all the kind words and compliments, I, I really appreciate it. So I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. Also, I'm going to continue to upload clips to my TikTok promoting my podcast. It's at Break Bias. Um, I have 700 total likes on my page, and last video reached 4K views. So I'm extremely happy about that, and I want to give an extra special thanks to anyone who is checking that out as well as listening to the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, anyway, as I do before the end of every episode now, a quick shout-out to a brilliant sim racing league and RLR. The Champions Division, which I race in, is in Abu Dhabi for the season finale this Friday. This is the last chance you'll be able to see some F121 content in RLR before we move to the new game that is getting released for early access tomorrow. So the championship battle is is it's looking like it's between Iron Kid and Appledorn. Uh, so looking forward to what those guys can do this week. And if you want to check out our league, go to YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Look up Raw League Racing to get our races with commentary. Or go to my Twitch channel, Be Crazy, to watch the race from my perspective. So that will do it for the Leclerc episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. And I'll be back with episode 17 next Monday after the British Grand Prix. Like I said last week, I'm looking out for a race of the year here. It's going to be an absolute banger. I can't wait. Goodbye.